get married. You commit to starting a church. You about to launch this church. COVID-19 happens. You know, know, and so all of this, like, so this all in the midst of it, it seems like, okay, I'm, I'm finally getting, I'm ready. Yeah. And then this happens. You get this diagnosis that... Like, you, you know, you kind of said, like, oh, I've done cancer before, I've yeah. done it. But, like, this one is different. Family, multiplication, restoration. I'm Dahadi Lewis. Join me, Noah Odom and Hayden Radden, as we come to you from Atlanta, St. Louis, and Las Vegas, as we seek to add value to your church planning journey. We'll have real-time, authentic conversations that are relevant to the life of the church planner and pastor. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the We Are Send Network podcast. My name is Noah Oldham, lead pastor of August Gate in St. Louis, joined, as always, by Hayden Ratner, senior pastor of Walk in Las Vegas, and Dahadi Lewis, the lead pastor of Blueprint here in Atlanta. And we have the opportunity today to be in the studio with one of our planters, a guy that, man, I think you are going to be blessed by hearing his story, learning from him, Um, I'm learning from him all the time as we get to connect. Send Network is a diverse family of of individuals and churches locking arms for life and ministry. All these stories matter. God is building something here. And when I heard Richard's story, man, I I knew that our network needed to hear it. So Richard Pope, man, so glad to have you here today. Thank you for having me. Would you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your family, a little bit about your church. So uh, my name is Richard Pope. I am the lead pastor of Canvas Church. We planted Easter Sunday, 2021. Uh, I have a wife named Peyton, who's way prettier and smarter and kinder than me. Mm-hmm. And uh, she is a grace from God for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's the main stuff. You've been on this church planting journey for a while. I mean, I, I hear yeah. your story. You started when you were 19 years old, feeling this call to plant a church. Yeah. Had a little detour, but you have planted now. Absolutely. You've, you've just launched. But in the midst of this launch, you have gotten some life-transforming, life-altering news. Yeah. And if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about that. Absolutely. So I uh, got my first cancer diagnosis when I was 19. I was working as a youth pastor and uh, started feeling God uh, pulling on my heartstrings uh, in some really practical and unpractical ways to plant a church in our area, specifically reaching like the artistic, creative community, uh, you know, from the young college kids to the old tattoo artist. Uh, that was kind of the idea. And uh, we were actually talking to the church I was at and making some plans, and then I got cancer. So that was like, no, 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 this can't be right. You know what I mean? God wouldn't have a guy with cancer plant a church. Uh, and uh, then it was like, okay, well, I took another job at a church in Salisbury, which is now my home, and I love it. Uh, I grew up 20 minutes away, but God really did a work to uh, bring me there, fell in love with the people, fell in love with the unique culture of the town, the college, etc. And uh, I took a job there as like an executive pastor of youth and creative ministries and uh, non-denominational church. It was incredible. Um, and we started we started like, hey, th- we want you to go plant. And I was like, cool, I could do that. And then cancer comes back. And I'm like, wow. oh, man, this can't be the time. And then, uh, but we had started doing some of the groundwork, but, you know, uh, COVID wrecked us. Uh, it, feel, it felt like everything in the world that could have like shipwrecked mm-hmm. a church plant happened. And it did. And then eventually we're like, hey, we are starting a church (laughs) Easter Sunday, 2021. I remember it was like uh, August. I'm meeting with like seven people in my living room. We're like, yeah, we'll still do it with you. And I'm like, we are definitely not the A team. We are the (laughs) Z team, but we're going to become the A team. And just intense time of discipleship. And uh, man, most of them were not believers before hanging out and starting Bible studying. So we had a a team of leaders that was literally a couple year converts. 
that we've just been pouring into for two Come years. On. And uh, we're excited. We get a building. I told the cancer's back for a third time. And I'm like, well, this sucks. Uh, but it's fine, right? Go get some chemo, be fine. And uh, then, you know, cancer spreads. And they're like, uh, you need your surgery? Cool, surgery, whatever. Everybody has surgery. So we're literally renovating the building. And I'm like hobbling around in a wheelchair because I sliced my tummy open. Uh, wow. Yeah. And then we're finally like, cool, we're... We're doing it though, and uh, scans post-op are like, "Hey, cancer spread everywhere." I mean, it's just it's it's blown up. So uh, we still launched about 38 days after we found out the cancer was terminal. Uh, no regrets. Yeah, yeah. Everything that could cause a church plant not to happen happened, and the church plant still happened because of God. Mm. So mm. yeah, I'm just thankful to be a part of that. But you, you just shared that really quickly and almost kind of nonchalantly. Yeah. But I want everybody to, that's listening to to really understand what you just said. So. God has called you to plant a church. Yes, sir. But you, your cancer is back. Yeah. It's spread throughout your entire body. Yeah. And the prognosis from the doctors is, is not only not good. No, it's horrible. It's horrible. It, it's, it's unless God does a supernatural miracle, miracles in your entire body. Yeah. Richard, how much, how much time are doctors saying you have left? Uh, so they said three to five years, and that was about eight, nine months ago now, uh, maybe 10. But, you know, last scans, they're like, hey, that was probably closer to the five. You know, you're probably at like four now. But the thing is, man, doctors don't really know. Because one minute they'll say, you're doing better than you're doing worse. Some days I wake up feeling like Brad Pitt. Some days I wake up feeling like I'm dead in a grave. So it just, wow. you know, just trusting that God's sovereign over that. But yeah, brand, not good. Brand new church. Yeah. How long you been married now? Uh, I got married March of 2020. So not very long. Brand new bride. Yeah. Yeah. Very little time left. And a lot of people out there and they have a little bit of time left, they're like, I want to go do this and do this. I want to experience all the things that I, I always wanted to do. Yeah. But I, when I met you, you said that you wanted to continue to plant this church. Tell us why. Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest reason is because I feel like God told me to, yeah. and I want to be obedient, and I yeah. fail at that daily, right? Like, I need the cross and the grace of Christ because I suck at obedience, uh, but thank God for God. Um but man, I I didn't come from a Christian home. Uh, got saved at 15 uh, after a year in mental institutions, suicidal ideations. Uh, you know, I'm like the poster child for like like playing in the arms of the angel. Like I am the person that's almost like we need to send a missionary to this place. Wow. Uh, drugs, you know, mental health. Uh, almost ended up in Jew. There was just so much like so many things, and it's like when I when 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 I and I always say when I found Christ, when Christ found me, because I really feel like God was seeking me, sure. and I just turned around and I saw a. God that I never could understand, you know, he pulled me out of so much. And from there, it was like the springboard into ministry. And, uh, you know, I know not everybody who's saved is called to ministry vocationally, but for me, I don't think there was ever another option. I'm just like, and it wasn't anything other than situational. It's like every time I, Hey, you should come speak at our youth camp. I'm like 17. I don't know what you're, yeah, come talk about how you guys say, okay. And it's just like opportunity after opportunity. Um, and I'm blown away by it. But like, for me, literally, I've never had another aspiration since I've gotten saved. You know, I was like, I'm going to join the military. And I was like, I'm going to join the military as a chaplain. And then I got, you know, sick. And they're like, hey, you can't really join. You're, you can't join the military now. And I was like, well, if I can't be a pastor to soldiers, I'll be a pastor. And uh, it's just rolled out of that. So why still plan a church? Because I don't know what else to do. Like, I have nothing else to do. So I'm just going to do it. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's good. Yeah. And, and it's a worthy calling, you know, to, to see your legacy live mm-hmm. on beyond you. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, a hope for all of us, right? Is Absolutely. that uh, our ministries would go a lot, a lot further than we started here on this earth. And mm. um, I think that's going to happen in Salisbury. Yeah. At Canvas we... Church. Talk to us about that name. I, I've been processing that name. Yeah. Canvas Church, almost like 
poster. Yeah. Uh, laying it out on the city. Talk yeah. to us about that. So uh, I'll give you the real real, and then I'll give you yeah. uh, the new real. Then attach a scripture to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the original was just, uh, hey, Salisbury is like an artistic renaissance. I'm a pretty artistic dude. I used to travel and perform spoken word poetry uh, at churches and conferences, youth events. Oh. Uh, I love I love painting. I love music. I just It was a lot of it tied to my personality, but Salisbury is like an artistic renaissance. Yeah. Our average age is in the low 30s because yeah. we have a college that's hyper uh, artistic that's feeding young people. So our city was one of the fastest growing cities in Maryland. Wow. Uh, we're less than 40,000, but like that's rapidly changing. And there's a couple other colleges. And it was like, man, like we don't want to, like we want to stand against culture when culture's in the wrong. But at the same time, we want to contextualize the gospel. So it's like, right. how can I express the gospel to people who don't give a crap about the gospel? I, I'm going to explain the gospel in a way that relates. Mm-hmm. Hey, you are a canvas, and God made it made the best masterpiece in the world mm-hmm. when He created. And then sin has just marred that canvas. Mm-hmm. But God is faithful to slowly. And I, I there's actually this is a thing when they fix a canvas, they have to etch the blemish. So wow. He's sitting there slowly etching it, and it's painful and it sucks. But wow. we like we Good hold word. on to that. Yeah. Uh, so that was the original, right? But now what I tell people is like, hey, because our city's artistic. Yeah. And people are just like, that makes sense. I have no complaints <laughs> with you. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, it's uh, it, it was just like the spiritual journey I went on yeah. that like God is slowly, all the blemishes, all the pain, all the trauma, uh, the depression, the anxiety, the things that still I struggle with and now the cancer, God is etching away the damage so good. That blemish, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna be restored as a beautiful piece right. before God, and He will enjoy me, and I will enjoy Him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's part there for a minute, man. You, yeah, so good. You, you talk about there's a lot behind that, but God, kind of piece, mm-hmm. you know, and and you see that all throughout, played out throughout Scripture, wow. you know. And soon as like Jesus has this great moment, mm-hmm. right, in, in His baptism, or you know, and when the dove comes yeah. down, yeah. And, all of that stuff that's coming, this is kind of like God is speaking. People are just like, oh my God. You know, it's yeah. like, it has to be like one of the, the greatest moments in history. We just read over it, but I think it's like one of the greatest moments in history. Like God is speaking, doves descending, yeah. Jesus, like all this yeah. happening, yeah. Taking all this like all this yeah. is taking place. And then what's always rocked me is that literally the next verse in um, chapter four says that the Holy Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here you are, you're getting married. Mm-hmm. You're like, God, I'm ready. Like, you have this history, like, suicide ideations, all these mm-hmm. things that you've been talking about. You finally, like, I'm ready, Lord. Yeah. I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you're getting married. You commit to starting a church. You're about to launch this church. COVID-19 happens. COVID, you, know, you know, and so all of this, like, so this all in the midst of it, it seems like, okay, I'm, I'm finally getting, I'm ready. Yeah. And then... This happens. You get this diagnosis that, like, you you know, you kind of said, like, I've done cancer before. I've yeah. done it. But, like, this one is different. Absolutely. This one is different this than any is. other time. Mm-hmm. And it seems like God has, like, led you mm-hmm. and is leading you in a wilderness period. And, you know, and oftentimes one of the, temp- the, temp- the, the temptations that the enemy has is, like, God got you. Why don't you just throw yourself yeah. off the, the cliff? Yeah. yeah. He got you. You know, what has kept you from doubting God? What has kept you from like not falling to the the traps of the enemy? Yeah. You know, where he's trying to say, man, like just worship me, curse God, I got you. Yeah. Just throw yourself off. Like right. didn't he say he'll give you bread? Like yeah. all of those things, like those temptations, like what has kept you yeah. from from doing that? So to be completely honest, I had huge doubts. I have moments where I literally grovel 
and I'm furious and I'm angry and I'm frustrated. And uh, I have moments where the wilderness seems really dry and the sun seems really hot. You know what I mean? Like uh, that imagery. Like I'm out here and I feel alone sometimes. And a huge thing, honestly, is, uh, and this is not to toot your guys' horn, but honestly, it's been some of my Sun Network bros. Like Jamie Caldwell, my uh, coach. He's actually here with me, right? Yeah. Uh, Because he just did life with me. Drove two hours each way when I found out I was terminal. And it's downpouring rain across the bridge in Annapolis because he's like, I'm going to love you and just sit with you. And we went to this Irish restaurant and me and my wife just sat there and sobbed. And I'm like, like in my shepherd's pie, just tears. Like it's not even good anymore. Mm -hmm. And he just sits there. And that was like, yeah, yeah, so what's helped me to, right, because I believe that God's going to hold on to me. I believe that, like, in my doubt that Christ can still be glorified by my returning, right, like that prodigal coming home, I think a lot of it has been that these bumpers God has given me is brothers who are faithful to say, Rich, come on, come on, come on, uh, and a wife who's super godly and loves Jesus so probably better than I ever could, and it's just like, hey, like, we're going to, like, walk through this together, uh, and when she has doubts, you know, God's been faithful to help me, like, have just enough bravery to encourage her. But man, I uh, I used to like have this like fear, right, of like death, which I still kind of do. Like I'm not scared of what comes after, but I'm like, is it gonna hurt? Am I gonna be like crippled? Am I gonna be like I don't know? It's like there's all these questions. But right now, our experience has been that like, yeah, I'm in a wilderness moment, but like there's lost people in the wilderness, and God's with me, so I'm not really alone. Like when Jesus was in the wilderness, I don't believe the Father abandoned him. So like he was not alone; his Father was with him. So I'm like, man, if God's sending me the wilderness. Because there's people like Rob who got saved the first week we launched uh, and then bat- got baptized and then led his daughter to the Lord and baptized her. And now is signing up for like a 20-month pastoral training program that we developed to eventually plant a church. Like yeah. like Rob was in the wilderness. Yeah. So if I had to go to the wilderness to have this story, to have this testimony, to have this witness, then like send me again, Jesus. Just be wow. faithful yeah. like you will because God's always faithful and walk with me. And that's just like... I put my head down, a brother lifts it up. You know, uh, I feel like I can't go on anymore. God gives me some more strength. And it's like, I'm just going to be faithful with what time I have because time is God's, not mine. Right. So uh, I hope I answered that question no, well, did. man. I just, so, yeah. So, so in that, man, like, man, because so I, I love that how that verse ends. It just kind of mm-hmm. talks about it. as soon as he kind of the last temptation, the angels come around and they, and that's what I hear you saying, that they, that they was always there. They was always yeah. kind of with them. Well, you know, but it's like one time we can see life in kind of these moment by moment mm-hmm. events, but it's like it's one thing to just have a moment, but it's another thing to have an abiding relationship mm-hmm. and right. kind of consistent. What keeps you from going insular, mm-hmm. right, you know, in that moment and staying focused? Because as a pastor, it's kind of like there's this expectation mm-hmm. to like to take care of my needs, mm-hmm. right? To shepherd me, yeah. but then at the same time you have needs. Mm-hmm. So how has that impacted your core team, right? Just mm-hmm. like, yeah. how have you walked with them kind of through, have you been like vulnerable? Do they know, mm-hmm. do you try to shield them? Like how, how does that impact like your ministry kind of going through this wilderness? Those who abide in love, abide in God and God abides in them, mm-hmm. right? So I focus on loving my team as well as I can. And that's like the big challenge at Canvas. We have three values, be relational, be missional, be love. Everything we do, we should relate well to God and others. Everything we do is to make disciples to make disciples. Even the coffee, like the coffee should be excellent to our ability because we want people to say, wow, this coffee's great. There must be something to this church thing. Because almost all of our attenders are, it's changing now, but in the beginning, all were like non-saved, ex-evangelical, and they just came because like they liked the experience. And then they hear the gospel. Um, And then lastly is be love. And that's the verse we use, those who abide in love abide in God. So how do I manage that? I'm extremely vulnerable because, like, I expect, uh, and I think that's, like, a big word. When we say we expect somebody to do something, 
that's like, whoa, you know what I mean? Yeah. Especially now yeah. Yeah. Uh, in an individualistic culture like we talked about last night. But like at the same time, I expect my people who like we're partners, we call members that are committed. Like I expect them to pray for me and love me because I pray in love for them. And like, I'm a member of the church before I'm a pastor. And I tell them that. So like my role in the church is to shepherd and preach the gospel. And I love it. But at the same time, like I'm also a member and like our church of misfits of uh, middle school dropouts, like Rob, who's now starting to be a pastor and is smart as a, one of the smartest dudes I know, uh, you know, the Miss Wendy's who told me she hated God because God took her dad, but wow. now loves God and was our first baptism. Like, like, like these people, I'm like, Hey, like wow. I'm broken just like you. Man. And like, I need your love because I need God to show me his love through you. Yeah. Just like I, you probably need me to show you God's love. You know what I mean? And it's like this like really open expectation that like we love each other. And like, I honestly, whenever I have to like, I hate enact churches, whenever I have to be like, hey, you need to stop something. It's like, you're not being loving. And how has that experience, how have they responded to you? And how has that experience of how you do ministry now versus how you did ministry, you know, the years prior? Yeah. You know, and how has that impacted your walk with the congregation? Yeah. Yeah. I've always, uh, I've always loved evangelism. Like, you know, spiritual gifts test that they give you yeah. when you're going to Bible college and you're like, this doesn't matter. And then later you're like, I am so predictable. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I've always had this love for evangelism. Uh, now I have an urgency that matches it, right? Mm. Like I loved evangelism more than I actually did evangelism. And I was a hypocrite. Wow. Now with the congregation, it's like I have no fear every single Sunday saying, <laughs> people you know are dying going to hell. Mm-hmm. Get your act together. Right. Like. Uh, stop making less of Christ's sacrifice. Like stop, yeah. stop mocking Jesus with your apathy wow. while praising Him with your like with your song. Like your heart is mm. in two directions, and you can't have two masters. Um, and that's reflected to me. I remember Easter Sunday, uh, we did two services because our space is not that large, and uh, we're actually renovating now because. People just keep coming, and I'm like, this yeah. is working. Praise mm-hmm. God. Uh, God. I'm happy I'm renovating and, and fundraising again because it feels like yeah. that's church planting, fundraising and preaching. But, uh, you know, I just uh, I remember saying, hey, if I had one message I wanted you to hear, it would be this. And I, uh, Abraham and Isaac, because Isaac was spared, right? Jesus wasn't. Jesus wasn't spared. Isaac was. Because right. Jesus wasn't spared, I'm spared, mm-hmm. right? right? And it was like, and I, if you need, like, you need to hear the gospel. And we had 14 people profess Christ that day. Gosh. And uh, that's middle of COVID, like April yeah. 2021 yeah. in Maryland, yeah. Yeah. when it's still 50%. And I'm just like, man, so I think I'm more urgent. You know what yeah. I mean? And I think our church is urgent because I'm like, like sharing the gospel is not something we do. It's not a program. It is literally uh, to live as Christ, to die as gain. So if you're alive, your life is in slavery to Christ in a joyful submission that like I am here, God has bought me. And therefore I respond to that with like complete sacrifice and service. And then you get to rest when you die. Yeah, you know what I mean? Rest in yeah. God's love actively. Don't lay on the couch and say, well, I pray that missionaries will go. You're a missionary to your neighborhood. You're a missionary mm-hmm. to that PTA meeting. You're a missionary yeah. to that crack house That's next good. door. You're the missionary. Yeah, Stop expecting anybody else to do it. Stop being a bum. Yeah. Let me ask you one more, and I know we have to go, but um, yeah, this, this is so, no, this is really so good. Hey, yo, stop this, being a this is really so good. Like, a lot of times, like, you know, we're, you know, you have your Sin Network family out there. Yeah. You know, they're praying for you. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're hearing you. They're hearing your story, you know, and everything. A lot of times what I like to think about is, like, what are some lessons that we don't have to live in order to learn? Mm-hmm. I would love for you to take a last couple of minutes and just really share to your Sin Network family and says, like, here's some lessons that yeah. they don't have to live in order to learn. What what would that be? Yeah. So, you know, what, what would you say to them? God's faithfulness is not predicated on your ability to do things for him. Mm-hmm. Like, God is not going to be more or less faithful 
because wow. you're able to do more or less than you did yesterday. I have days where I literally get up on Sunday and I honestly, I'm like, I really don't want to go preach today. I feel like crap. But like, then I preach because like, that's all I have. Like I'm giving God this, like this, this 30 minutes of my time and then somebody gets saved. And I'm like, if I got up this morning just for they could hear the gospel and they're like, we don't, I don't think we understand the weight of eternal security. Like, like this person is going to be with Jesus. They, yeah. like they are secure in that. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's the biggest thing in the world. Okay. My little like ache and pain, which might not be so little according to meta, like doctors, you know what I mean? Like, like, like God is faithful, even though I can't do as much as normal. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, don't feel like you always have to be this 200% high capacity guy, which is what church planters mm-hmm. are. Like we try to do more with less. Yeah. But, like, you don't always have to. Just be faithful in the little things. Wow. Preach the gospel. Disciple your people. And love them in a way that reminds them of Jesus. And I feel like God will be faithful with that. And when you can do more, sure. But don't feel like crap or think God has abandoned you because you can't that day. You know what I mean? Yeah, He's good. faithful always, even when I can't be. So He is. Yeah, yeah man. And I, I like to think of, and just in your story, I'm a big optimistic faith yeah. preacher, yeah. I guess, it kind of. Guy, yeah. um, I love the story in Ruth where mm. it, where Ruth says, "I'm going to go to the fields, and I'm going to. There's going to be a breakthrough today. Yeah. I don't know who's going to be out there, but yeah. so, something. I'm coming back different. Mm-hmm. Just that optimistic faith, and man, I just want to speak that over you, yeah. brother. Like I, I, prayerfully, we trust God's sovereignty. Absolutely, we trust God's will. It's good, pleasing, and perfect. E- even though y- you understandably would say. And it's hard to understand Absolutely. that. But, man, come on. How about in the Old Testament? I think, what, Hezekiah got an extra 18 years? Yeah. In, yeah. in, in his last season of life? Yeah. Um, and I don't know what that looks like, but, man, Absolutely. I'm just praying that that the doctors continue to, to boost that. Like, yeah, yeah it, it, it was four. Yeah. I, I think it's five again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know Dude. why, but yeah. we, we we could tell that we have a God who— yeah. Is, is in control. I'm, I yeah. want us to continue to pray that over right. you. I just yeah, want to speak that over you. And I'm I'm humbled by your ability to have open hands, almost the Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, mm. even if we die in this fire. Yeah. It wasn't that God wasn't able to, yeah. to still good. save us out of it. Yeah. yeah. And if he wants to save us out of it, then do it, Lord. Yeah. Uh, but I love how you have, you're carrying this, yeah. optimistic faith either way yeah. that's good. and Man. that's moving to me yeah. on this podcast hopefully it is for you too i've had the joy to be a part of a, a text thread uh, with richard and uh, i mean i don't know if i know any other number on the yeah. on the text thread don't give me your cell phone number i'll, s- I'll send you all the praises but, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, but to hear the stories week after week of what yeah. god is doing it just <laughs> reminds me like one of the most moving things early in my career uh, yeah. walking through a hard season I, i've even shared at orientation mm-hmm. um ct stud mm-hmm. the refrain only one life will soon be passed. Only what's mm. done for Christ will last. Mm. And that was romantic to me as a young guy getting in ministry, thinking I have this long life. And your story, Richard, your life, it, it's it shed new light on that. Mm. There's just the urgency to go now. Like we, we work while it's still daytime because the night is coming. We can no longer work. Yeah. Mm. So until we do, mm. and t- and until that night comes, we work. And and just believing for as much as God wants to That's give. Right. Yeah. yeah. Believe but but I want to encourage all of our brothers and sisters to keep going. Yeah. Absolutely. God Love puts that. breath in your lungs. Use it for his glory. Amen. Thanks for being with us, brother. Thank you. And thank you for joining us for another episode of the We Are Send Network podcast. If you want to know more about church planting with Send Network, you can check us out at sendnetwork.com or you can text the phrase Send Network to 888-123. Send Network to 888 888- 
one, two, three. Every story in Send Network matters, even this one, and pray you were inspired. Until next time, we are Send Network. You have been listening to We Are Send Network, a resource of the North American Mission Movement. For more information about today's podcast and other relevant resources, visit sendnetwork.com.